Hi, I'm Tim Berglund. Welcome to Developer Relations Radio, a podcast about developer relations and things of interest to DevRel leaders, practitioners, and the executives that love them. Every few weeks, Baruch Sadogorsky and I get together on a conference call with as many other global DevRel thought leaders as we can schedule at one time, just to talk. The catch is, the conversation is being recorded, and you get to listen in. Here we go. Are we, uh, are we recording this for a uh, public viewing then? Well, that, here's Baruch's idea. Is it just going to be the three of us? Is, is Victor? No, I think, we have, I think we have a few people. Okay. All right. Um, so I, I got this idea to do a developer relations podcast, DevRel Radio, reserve the domain name. Okay. Uh, this is happening. And we, I think it was you who had this idea of getting everybody on the phone together. Mm. It was your idea, right? Yeah, it was. I mean, I, I thought it was a good idea just for us to chat in general because, I mean, That's like, the thing. you know, we see each other quite often at, at, at conferences and things like that, but to actually just sit down and talk regularly about developer advocacy, I think... About what we do, and I think, I think that's... Yeah. Now, Baruch's idea was, while we're doing that, why not also record it and then make it uh, a feature? A, a, a yeah. Like it's not the, the this this is not the podcast the podcast will be a regular podcast but we can also have these uh panel discussions now if you want this to be private and not broadcast then we should talk about that and um i, I don't think i have a preference to, okay. to have it either way to be honest i mean i don't think anything we're going to talk about is going to be confidential yeah so we just have to be sure that we don't um and even if it's just ramblings, that, that the r- ramblings of us madmen, I, th- I think that's just, I think that's fine for people to listen to anyway. And I, that's the thing. I think it it couldn't be. Look who's hey. here! Hey, hey, hey. hey really. hello. Good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Doing Good well. Afternoon, Simon. Yeah, almost the end of the day here. Yeah. Almost the weekend, so close. Beer o'clock. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's always beer o'clock, man. It's us standing between you and the weekend, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, just more home improvement, that's all. That's all you're standing in the way of right now. There you go. More home improvement, more sick kids. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What a great season of life. <laughs> rock and roll here and I'm not traveling. My weekend features the graduation at semester of my youngest child. Oh, wow. Cool. So wow. I need to tell that to the guy who's got sick kids at home. But uh, <laughs> and then the, the uh, retirement of my wife from a career of homeschooling. So, Wow. Hmm. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. My weekend, uh, my son, my elder son starts his robotics. Well, uh, F- he participates in FRC, first robotics competition. Uh-huh. And the kickoff is tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock. So he leaves home around 6.30. And he comes home around 10 p.m. You know, because the whole thing starts tomorrow. And our next six weeks are going to be only focused on that robotics competition. So it's 
very packed. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yes. That sounds like a good thing to be focused with. For so him. Yeah. <laughs> we, I guess we should wait at least for someone else. Yeah, right? one to other make, person. Yeah, to make, it, to make it a quorum. And then we will, we will start with okay. what we have. Um, who else do we have? We have Ted, that's for sure. And Victor said he probably just will come to say hi. Hadi is on the... Uh, yeah, so we, we only, I think we only wait for Ted because Hadi said he won't be able to make it. Okay. Uh, and uh, so let's just give him a couple of more minutes and if he won't yeah, yeah. show up, then he won't show up. Then we can give one, uh, we can we talk about the Devrel Radio. Yeah, so, yeah, Tim, go ahead and, and try to make any structure with this spontaneous thing. Sure. So <laughs> I, I was just talking to Simon before you got on, Arun, about the, the idea. I, that, that podcast will have a life of its own. Um, and then there's this idea of us just getting together monthly to talk. Yeah. Um, Baruch's brilliant idea was, hey, if we're getting together, why not just hit record? Because if you look at the people on this call, it'll probably be fun and engaging, and we can make that a part of the podcast, not, not the whole thing, but this can be a, a, a feature. Now, if anybody wants to be able to talk about stuff that you don't want broadcast, then we don't have to broadcast it. But if everybody's okay with that, that was Baruch's idea, and he convinced me that it was brilliant, so... We can. No, I, I think it makes sense. You know, I mean, as a DevRel, we live in the world of transparency and sharing. So I'm all for it. Oh, yes. Oh, so, so well put. <laughs> we better stop saying brilliant things before we start recording. We are recording. We are recording right now. Here what about go. all that stuff I said before? Was that recording? That we can cut for a reasonable amount of money. Okay. All right. Good. <laughs> Credit card. <laughs> oh, I took a snapshot. <laughs> <laughs> could, could you just turn that around? I, I, I missed it. Wasn't, yeah, it was Amex, so you have the security code on the other side. There you go. Which, by the way, I think the, having the security code on the same side with the number and the name and expiration date sounds like the most stupid idea in the world to me. Yeah. I think only Amex does that, though, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Amex does that. Visa does it on the reverse side. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So. Let's get started. Talking. Yeah, let's get, so let's get the, started. For the benefit of the listening public, we should give our names. I'm Tim Berglund. Go ahead, guys. Uh, oh, uh, my name is Arun Gupta. I see a, I see a, a Simon Maple. And, and Simon Maple's here as well. I wasn't even sure this was going to be recorded, so I've got a, uh, I'll introduce my washing machine in the background as well. That's, that's going. Outstanding. Do you have any dogs or crying children that you can introduce? Uh, I could, I could, I have, I think, uh, just from, just from here in the other room, there's no crying children. There's two in the other room. Yeah, uh, I love the remote life and I also love children, uh, just based strictly on the theory that the humans we have are wearing out and it's absolutely essential that we make new ones. So <laughs> yes. Crying children as, as a bad thing in terms of an audio production, right? Right. Yeah. Maybe, maybe dancing babies. Dancing baby is better because it implies that they could yeah. be happy and you'd rather them be yeah. happy. But anyway. But yeah, they usually, yeah, and, and I'm Barb Sadogorski. And um, so here we are. Welcome to the official pilot of the DevRel Radio podcast. As with pilots, our opening wasn't that smooth yet, but that's a pilot, right? We 
once once it will be approved, we will come with some smart opening like good evening, good morning, good day to wherever you are. And this custom, is the Deborah Ryan custom commissioned uh, bumper music and sound exactly. design. Right. I know a guy. All, all, all that is coming. It's all in the works, as a matter of fact. So anyway, uh, this was Simon. This was your idea to. Um, uh, not not to record it and make it a part of DevRel Radio, but you you said, hey, look, um, here's a bunch of guys who work in DevRel, literally all over the planet. We should get together once a month and talk. Yeah, I mean, actually, it, the 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 group being together over email was actually as a result of a uh, a session which Baruch gave at uh, DevRelCon London. Was it DevRelCon? Where's yeah, that's right. And he, he stole content from all of us, right? That's pretty much right. Yeah. So, so Baruch was going to give a uh, a strategy uh, session, right, Baruch? Yeah. To my to my defense, let me just uh, state that that's uh, that's the definition of our work. We generally steal content from other people. Exactly. Exactly. So I didn't do anything which is. Uh, Unusual. Yeah. No. So, uh, I, I wouldn't call it as plagiarism, though, you know, because we steal work, but we kind of wrap it in a very easy to understand manner you know, with a nice bow on it. That's yes. why we have you here, Arun. Yes. That's exa- for, those, for those comments, you are here. <laughs> so what was the discussion about and what, how did that, yeah, just give us some more history. Yeah, okay. So uh, Matthew Revel, which, um, whom Arun now, uh, I guess, the, uh, better than any, any of us, uh, organizing this DevRelCon, which is what the name implies, Conference for Developer Relation uh, People uh, in London for three years now. And uh, last year it was the first in San Francisco. And um, I personally, I am personally extremely excited about this conference because for a change is the conference that I go for, for, for my professional career, not only as a part of the job that I do. And um, um, it's basically harder, although it's harder to secure a budget to go to one of those because it is for personal growth and not for, for the business. It's like training budget. You're, you're training and development. It's, exactly. And, and it took a little bit. dollars a year. It took a little bit longer than I expected, and I missed the deadline for CFP, so I contacted um, um, Matthew and I said, you know what, I don't care what you do, but I have to be there and I have to speak. And he's like, okay, you, uh, the CFP is over, but if you can deliver a talk about their strategy, go ahead. And I'm like, sure, of course I can deliver a talk about demo strategy because I can deliver a talk about anything because that's what we do for a living. Yes. Right? And uh, then I hang up with him and I'm like, what the hell is demo strategy? Yeah. I tried to Google. No one knows what it is yeah. in the world. So I decided that instead of trying to, you know, some, um, inventing something on my own, I'll ask smart people. And this is how I got to you guys. I remember. Right, and um, and um, we conducted me and uh, Victor Gamo uh, from Hazelcast. I think he just joined. Victor, is that a Victor? I mean, no, this is Ted. Oh, it's Ted. It's Hi, Ted. Ted. Neward. Welcome, Ted. This we are. Uh, Ted's joining us a little late. Uh, we are recording, Ted. So. Uh, yep, it said that. Good. Just so it you know. Means that anything. Anything I say can and will be used against me in a court of public opinion. Is is that how that works? I, I mean, I, this is bottom line subpoenaable. I just I just want us all to know that. Yeah, and I don't think Great. it's 
anyhow new to any of us. No, no. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and then I asked you guys, all of you, uh, we conducted a series of interviews, me and Victor, um, asking you this question. What is the real strategy? Why do we need one? Yeah. How do we start to plan one? And how do we execute? And uh, I basically compiled the talk out, out of your ideas. And I have to say that it was a blast. It was, uh, it was greatly accepted at, at DevRelCom. So thank you again for all that. And this is how this forum actually was born, yeah. right? And then everybody had contribution to today's, to what's happening today. So it was Simon's idea to meet. Um, a team here uh, came with this brilliant domain name of DevRel Radio and the idea to make a podcast out of it. And uh, I, as usually, hijacked all your ideas and said, okay, we will meet. It will be on DevRel Radio. It will be recorded live. Let's just do it. And all of that is absolutely true. So I think, I think you actually sent an email around, because I don't think we knew other people, you know, who, whoever else contributed to, to your session. And so you sent an email around to a whole bunch of people saying thank you for the input. And then I saw the email and I thought, wow, what a, great, what a great CC list. Wouldn't it be great to get all those people regularly talking and we'd just you know, be better as developer advocates just by talking about things like strategy or whatever. And then I think, uh, was it Tim that came up with the idea? Uh, sorry. Um, he came up with the idea of actually doing the, doing the uh, podcast. The podcast. I, yes, I don't no. think it was anyone's idea. I just dropped a Zoom meeting into this you know, what we try to organize and hit recording, and here we are. And here we are. And, you know, I, I had a similar feeling as well when I saw the group of people. But for, the, for, a, for quite some time, I was living in the glory that, oh, you know what? I am the only one who contributed to the presentation. Then I realized, oh, you know what? There are lots of brilliant people in this, you know, much far, far better than me. And that's when, you know, by the time the discussion started, I think I was busy somewhere. But by the time I saw the thread rolling up, I said, oh, that's it. That is pretty cool. because. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I would agree with what Baruch said earlier. Well, this was second year in London, DevRelCon London. Um, we did first year in San Francisco last year. Um, and I think the DevRelCon particularly, every, you know, we, we had about 100 people last year in San Francisco. Everybody and anybody who came to the conference talked about how it is for their, it's like, oh, yeah, I, I, I touch this. I experience this. I, I, I do this every day. It's not about technology. It's about DevRel, you know, because that's the thing we live and breathe every day. So um, I think it's a brilliant idea. Uh, we guys have been into DevRel for a while. Um, yeah, just, just hack it. And so a, um, a question for the group uh, with a little bit of, little bit of context. In, um, when you sit down and people talk about software architecture, uh, I, I've noticed that maybe the last year or so, that conversation is maturing in good ways. But historically, we sit down and say, hey, let's talk about architecture. Let's spend 50% of our time defining what architecture is. So it's this, this big meta discussion, and it's, it's pretty frustrating. Now, that's getting better. And I don't want to fall into that trap, but I think we're early enough in the history of our discipline as an organized thing that it's worth asking, um, what is developer relations? I suspect the way all of us on this call right now approach it and the actual work we do is a little different. Um, but I, I think we should go around and say, what, what, describe your work uh, as a developer relations leader, professional, and practitioner. I'm going to go around the, the boxes that I see on the Zoom call uh, on the, the laptop here, which means, Simon, you're first. 
Whoa. So, so my, so what is Devra? That's a great, that's a great question. Um, and I do agree with what you said, actually. It is, it is different depending on who you speak to. And I think it's very, that's, that's very different depending on what you're actually, the, you know, the, whether it's a technology or a product or whatever it is you're trying to evangelize or be an advocate for. Um, but essentially to me, being a developer advocate is, is being that interface between uh, either a technology or a community um, and the people who are uh, effectively not, not, not customers, but users of that you know, interface, that, that community or that, uh, that product. Um, so in my case, uh, I was a technical evangelist at IBM and now I'm a developer advocate for Zero Turnaround. So the, so the common part really is that uh, they're, they're companies that produce products. Um, so I, I kind of split my split my job in two parts where I'm a, a, an advocate for the products that Zero Turnaround have, but I also do loads and loads of community work, which means I'm, um, I am there to grow a community and to nurture that community as well. Um, so I think developer relations is a very overloaded term. Um, you can have developer relations in terms of uh, nurturing a community, as I said. You could have developer relations in terms of trying to evangelize uh, a product or service or, or an API or something like that. There is also that feedback of actually understanding what developers, what people are doing with your API or your product and pushing that back into the cycle so your engineers and your, your developers know how people are using it and what people are using your product or service for. Um, from my point of view, I do evangelism of our product. Our product's actually more on the simplest kind of side of using things. So it's not so much, you know, a big, a big community or anything like that that we have. But a lot of the community I work I do is around Java user groups and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't know if I answered your question or spoke around you, it. No, though, you, you, uh, I, I mean, frankly, I think you knocked it out of the park. You, you definitely answered. That's uh, okay. Now let's see if answer. anyone have any anything to add. To add, Arun, <laughs> what do you? Yeah, your spin. So I think when I look at DevRel, you know, DevRel is a broader term to me. You know, um, I look at smaller companies, bigger companies. You know, in a smaller company, a DevRel person could be wearing multiple hats. In bigger company, you have a little bit of a formal structure where you are either a developer advocate or a developer relations or a developer programs or a community manager. You have those different roles that are being playing. So um, developer advocate would be who's mostly outbound. You know, developer programs could be a person who is doing mostly events, for example. Then there could be developer relations who's whose main goal would be to bring that feedback in, work with the developer advocate, and you know, do maybe SDKs and stuff like that. Over a period of time, I would say the role, the terminology of DevRel, you, know, you talk to people, oh yeah, I've been doing DevRel for 20 years. So it's like people who were doing marketing at a given point of time, people who were doing customer advocacy at a given point of time, they all brand them as a DevRel now. But to me, really, DevRel is twofold. One is inbound to outbound, and the second is outbound to inbound. Those are sort of the two key aspects to me. And everything else to me is a detail. Um, When I'm looking at inbound to outbound is, okay, here are my products, here are my technologies, uh, here is what my experts and champions live. How do I engage them so that they become an effective user of my product, technology, API, doc, whatever my consumable deliverable is? Then outbound to inbound is, 
okay, I'm speaking at all these events, I'm working with the community, I'm growing the community, I'm watching Stack Overflow, forums, Twitter, all of that. How do I assimilate that feedback, that information into data so that I can actually convert it into an actionable item like a bug? So to me, really, is inbound to outbound, outbound to inbound, whether you are a developer advocate, developer programs, developer community manager, whatever it is, that's typically how I categorize it. Nice. Yep. Ted, are you with us? Ted, hey, no, I'm here. Uh, oh yeah, no, I'm still here. I just, contrary to my normal mode of operation, I've actually been listening. <laughs> you only listening, never speaking. <laughs> How was it, Ted? <laughs> um, it's different. It's like it's like weird. I don't quite know what to make with it. The interesting thing, you know, and, and Tim, you in particular, I think will appreciate this analogy as I've been describing developer relations to, you know, my new employers. The, uh, the analogy that came to mind is that, you know, if the company is God, then developer relations is its clergy, right? They go out on behalf of said deity. They perform, you know, works for the populace. They look for people who are interested. They seek to convert them in some ways, but then they also carry those messages back and intercede on behalf of the population. That's right? not a bad analogy. And <laughs> I use the word evangelist sometimes. <laughs> well, and, you know, there carries with it a certain warning as well, because, yes, some of these folks get particularly zealous, and in some cases they start, you know, they start ignoring some, some larger concerns, you know, such as, well, your product isn't always the solution for everything. Maybe there are, you know, other things that are better explained in other ways and so forth. And, of course, all analogies break down at some point, but you know it, it, it's it's certainly um, there's there's that aspect you know as Arun was saying of, of outbound as well as inbound of completing that loop. They are the the circuit, if you will, between the interior and the exterior of the company. And in many respects, depending upon how large the company, it will only function as well as that feedback loop. I mean, most of us are at least familiar and comfortable with many of the agile principles. One of the core ones being feedback, so excuse me, so you can correct and so you can, you know, adjust and so forth. I mean, my own experience is a little bit different from you guys. Uh, Baruch pointed this out shortly after he and I had our conversation because I think I was the last in the cycle uh, before his talk. But that the the place where I work is not a traditional developer uh, product company. Smartsheet is actually a consumer. Uh, platform. But I think this is a harbinger of things to come because, as we all know, uh, more and more companies are going off and building platforms, taking traditional consumer products and building a software platform around it. And then, to a certain degree, kind of turning it loose into the industry and saying, go, go forth and multiply, go forth and do things. And so I think one of the key things that um, we can do in many respects is provide a certain amount of guidance for those who are going to follow us because I think that developer relations in many respects is about to explode because today, you know, 2016, I'm sorry, 2017, we're all of six days into it, um, 
if you are a product company and you're not thinking about how to put your product on the internet in some fashion, you are grossly limiting your sales capabilities. And so, you know, I think this particular conversation, I think this particular group is well-timed because I believe, uh, and I've told my employers this, and I will, you know, go on stage and say it if anybody asks, I believe that developer relations, in many respects, is an extension of both a company's sales and marketing arm, as well as a potential force multiplier to, you know, vastly increase the amount of sales for a given company, um, particularly if you want to try to get into the IT space, um, you know, like, like enterprise IT and so forth. And so, you know, what is DevRel? I mean, on the one hand, yes, it's all of the things that, that Arun and Simon have said in terms of its concrete day-to-day operations. But at a larger strategic sense, I think it is going to become a new leg of the triad, so to speak, for companies to grow and find new customers and market to them and sell to them and, and you know, build their, their empires, so to speak. So I have kind of grandiose visions of what we do. As ever, and I like that. Now, um, uh, one clarifying question for you, Ted. You said uh, your employer is a, a consumer play, but is there an API? Sure. Is there something? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we have a, we have a REST API, right? There you we go. Have a, we, we, we are, yeah. So and you can do consumer business. If you have an API, you need DevRel. I mean, that's open and shut. And I think so. I'll take it one step further and uh, represent in another interviewee of mine for, for the sake of this talk. And this guy works in a consumer company that don't even have an API. Ooh. And now you wonder why the hell they do need developer relations. They yeah. don't sell them to developers. They don't even have a platform or an API. So why? And uh, his aspect on that is very interesting. We do it without thinking about it, but He's concentrating on that, and that's for the purposes of recruitment. Now, the company that he works with don't have the most shining reputation in the world as a consumer product, okay. right? Think about, um, you know, I don't want to... to Probably for the sake of professionalism, you don't want to say who it is, but I'm dying no, to know that. It's a, it's, a <laughs> network, it's a social network in Russia that targets, um, I would say, not the most sophisticated audience. Okay. Let's put it that All way. Right, I don't know the analogy in, um, uh, to, to, to give you the, the one that everybody knows, but think about um, a social network force, basically, right? Okay. But the, 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 think like Orkut, you know, what it used to be big time earlier. You know, think about being a DevRel for Orkut which yeah. is a dying social network. Uh, exactly. Or, yeah. or any other product that people hate. Yeah. You know what? I don't know. Blackberry. Like, you know, Blackberry, again, is a dying platform. And there are some still hardcore fans. But, yeah. you know, being a DevRel for anything like that is super challenging. Right. And, and his, his aspect on that is very simple. So they try to recruit good people because they need to move, to move the platform forward. And it's extremely hard because when HR approaches candidates and say, this is the company you are going to work with, the first answer will be not in this, like, not going to happen. I hate them. They are horrible, right? Okay. Okay. And his aspect in, in, in this trade is, you know what? Forget about the product itself. The technology behind it is so fascinating. You want to be there. And his developer relations is bringing this message out 
that the technology inside is brilliant, the experience you will gain is uh, valuable, the people that you will work with are great, it doesn't matter what we do. I love it. Okay, so yeah. but I, I think I, I want to add one more point. You know, uh, something what Ted also said that uh, developer relations help the sales and the marketing team. Um, th there's a very clear difference. Typically, I've seen between marketing and DevRel, and how sales perceive us essentially. Now, this could be a bigger topic as well, but um, typically we are a long tail for sales. You know. Uh, it's a hard effort to convince your sales team we are not a lead gen. Uh, we are not a lead gen in short term, at least. Don't expect to go to a meetup and meet your quarter number. Not going to work that way. It doesn't work that way. Um, so that's an important distinction that needs to be figured out. And then the second part of it is, uh, on the marketing side of it, the distinction, the very clear distinction that I've seen all along is how marketing can afford or rather needs to be completely focused on the product side of it without worrying too much about the technology. And whereas as a DevRel, you are thinking more about the solution that's going to come out of it, more on the technology aspect of it. The product happens to be part of that solution. I think that's sort of a distinction that I would like to highlight. Yeah, and I think I think in addition to that as well, I mean, a lot of the work I do with our kind of marketing and sales team, um, marketing is is pretty much just like product marketing from our point of view. So, so marketing will very often talk to us about just to basically try and understand users of the product, how the, how can they market to the developer, right. and you know, typically. Uh, marketing teams or marketing teams in general aren't going to understand developers. Um, you really, the only way you can really understand developers is to have been a developer yourself for a number of years and, and you understand development and developers. So I think um, one of the one of the kind of tasks of a developer advocate um, is to make sure your marketing the marketing teams are actually marketing correctly to the right people and are not just you know throwing things in people's faces in a way that they dislike. Um, from a sales point of view, I totally agree with that. In, in terms of, you, you, we really need to make sure that sales don't look at us as, as this kind of like lead gen lead gen group that can say, okay, I'll, I'm going to go to this, I'm going to go to this event, and I will get you a number of uh, leads that you can email in or call into or whatever. Because that you actually lose trust from the develop from the dev rel team as a result yeah. of that. And I've, um, I've that experience where salespeople. Like in, in the region where I live or I'm giving a talk will reach out to me and say, hey, I saw on the web you're giving a talk. And one time I, I didn't even know I was on the schedule of that conference. I, I actually found out because the salesperson was Googling, which is very helpful to me. You know, <laughs> but he said, hey, can I, can I come there and maybe meet some customers? And I had to say that, I mean, just kind of knowing the, the feel of this conference, that is not going to fly. They will mm. Would be a creeper there. Now there are other kinds of events that that you could build where that's a hundred percent appropriate and desired, but we have to be so careful. But there are ways. Baruch and I were talking yesterday about ways of making training content and getting it online, or just roughly training content, where it does function as lead gen. So some of the work I do is explicitly lead gen, but it's always where you know we've here here's something useful. Sign up, you know, register. And we have invested hundreds of thousands of dollars in making this great video curriculum and we're giving it to you for free. Well, not really for free. A salesman will call. Um, but it's, it's, um, 
it's a little, it's clear uh, that that's the transaction that's happening there. Not like you signed up for a meetup and now somebody is calling you on your cell phone. You know, that, that we will lose trust immediately. Uh, I, I completely agree because as a matter of fact, you know, if you sign up for a meetup, you know, I mean, I run a meetup myself, you know, Silicon Valley Jug, DevOps for Kids Bay Area. Those are big meetups. You know, Silicon Valley Jug has about 5,500 members. DevOps for Kids has close to 2,000 parents. I don't know any of their email ID, by the way. Um, the only way we can reach out is, is, oh, these 20 people signed up for the meetup. I have an opportunity to send them an email. And that's about it. That's where the buck stops. Yeah, it is upon them. If they are interested, they can get back to me. So for example, at Silicon Valley job, what we do is, you know, we announce a meetup. We have never sent a product or a oh, new product available. Go take a look at this. It's a, lot, it's a big meetup we got. But we, what we give an opportunity to the speaker is, okay, if you're speaking at the meetup, and if you want to make an announcement, we will let you post on the event. Now, where 200 people have registered, uh, and that message will go to all the event attendees. So that opportunity we give, but um, never, you know, uh, if there is, uh, uh, there have been cases where people who were not at the meetup, they did not announce at the meetup, and they would post an announcement because they're trying to game the system. We have marked it as spam, and we have bumped them out. So the point is, you know, that transparency, that honesty is very, very critical. And key there, Arun, that you're using the meetup.com interface. This is not through your Marketo database or whatever. No, 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 no. no. Well, I mean, I mean, what we have done is like a lot of times people are very interested that, no, no, I'll still come to the meetup because I genuinely want to understand what their problem domain is. And then I want to connect with that. That is perfectly genuine. And right. sometimes what people have done is, oh, I'm going to put a fishbowl and we can do a raffle if people want to put their name in. I said, that is up to you, but as a meetup organizer, I will never give you the email ID. I don't even have access to the email ID. Yeah, and again, that fishbowl thing, that's pretty obvious what's happening there. Nobody's yeah. going to get yeah. email. They're getting... Guys, the- it's, yeah. it's, it's interesting to me because in some respects, you know, developers have had a, a traditionally, uh, shall we say, chilly, if not outright antagonistic, uh, uh, relationship with the sales and marketing department both of other firms, people who are trying to sell and market to them, as well as in some cases with their own company. But to a certain degree, um, you know, a lot of the things that we are saying, you know, as part of this conversation in terms of what is the right way to reach out to a target audience and what's the wrong way to reach out to a target audience, you know, I've, I believe it or not, I've actually dipped into the dark side a little bit and I've done, you know, I've, I've read some sales books and I've read some marketing mm-hmm. books and I've talked with people that, um, you know, that have done this for a living in a completely non-technical fashion. And I've heard a lot of them echo many of the same kinds of things, which is to say, yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to be sneaky. You don't want to be, you don't want to do a bait and switch. Remember that term existed for a long time as part of the sales community long before any of us were ever born. And so part of it is, I wonder, um, you know, how much, how much of what we do, how much of what we're talking about right now is actually just good marketing, right? As opposed to developer relations, right? Because I do believe that, um, you know, we, we have a sales and marketing role Right. In in many cases, yeah, we're not always about lead generation, 
But if you go talk to, for example, the enterprise sales uh, division of any you know, relatively large company, they're not so much about lead generation as much as they are about trying to it, the, the analogy that comes to mind is hunters and farmers, right? Lead generation is about hunting. It's about going out into the field and finding those things and taking down that, that particular animal that you're hunting. Yeah, and then you have to do it over and over and over and over again, constantly looking for new things to hunt. Whereas farming, typically you take the same plot of land and you work it for 20 years, right? I mean, you know, we can allow for crop rotation and stuff like that. And, you know, if we talk about long tail kinds of sales, we talk about consumer sales, that is, uh, in many cases, a lot of lead generation. That is a lot of hunting. We talk about enterprise sales. I want to go, you know, I, I have a relationship. I'm a sales account manager. I have a relationship with, you know, somebody over at a Fortune 500. And I am farming that account. And I am doing things. I mean, that's, that's again, that's, that's not about lead generation. That's about having a customer. That's about winning their trust. That's about delivering unto them good solutions, whether that is technical or human or making an obstacle go away or, or what have you. And I think that's part of one of the things that we need to recognize within this crowd is that there have been people before us who have discovered a lot of these same kinds of things. And we're not reinventing the wheel so much as maybe bringing the wheel over to a different part of, you know, the, the environment that hasn't seen it before. Um, because, you know, to, to go back to what Simon said, I don't think marketing people intuitively understand developers, but at the same time, I don't think you have to be a developer to be reachable to the developer community. Uh, there's a guy I worked with um, very, very early in my career um, gentleman by the name of Josh Gurin, who works as a uh, he works as a recruiter. I mean, you want to talk about salespeople that developers seem to love to pick on. But Josh is one of those recruiter types. He works for Tech Systems in Sacramento, and he's not a traditional what you think of when you think smarmy recruiter. He's very solid, very down to earth, very honest, very straightforward, very easy to work with as a developer. Um, and in many respects, he was one of the people that convinced me that not all recruiters were terrible people. Um, <laughs> and I think that, you know, if we are not careful, we need to, you know, we need to be careful about painting people with a broad brush. Josh has never been a developer, but at the same time, he understands a great deal of how to relate to developers, what they're looking for, et cetera, because he, he's simply a, you know, empathic human being. Right. So we want to be careful about how how we say some of these things, how we draw these pictures. And, you know, there are things that we as developers can learn from sales and marketing. But and there's also, you know, there's, there's also opportunities uh, for people who are not developers to be able to thrive in this absolutely. environment. We're, we're coming kind of towards an interesting conclusion here, which is that um, we, we need to differentiate our activities from classical sales and marketing activities. They need to look different. They need to feel different. Developers need to perceive them in a different way and they need to be authentically different. Yet the work that we do seems awfully helpful to what a traditional marketing organization does, which is by definition helpful to what a traditional selling organization does. So we're a part mm -hmm. of that system. Uh, we're just a different part. 
So I'll, 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 give, a, I'll give an example. So <clears throat> the way typically it works for us is, you know, marketing team, for example, they run integrated campaigns. You know, yes. They do webinars. Um, um, now, they can do the logistics and everything for us, but where they need help is, okay, Arun, we need some content for this. So I run the developer advocacy team here, and that's where we say, oh, you know what? You want to run a campaign? Serverless is the hottest topic these days. Um, how about we run a campaign on serverless and couch-based together? Um, now, marketing team has a campaign team. They have a product marketing guys who are focusing on the product, but that's where we attach ourselves to those water cooler topics. We have created content, and then we bring the right speaker in, and we organize a webinar on that. So, uh, yes, uh, we, uh, going back to what Ted was saying, we are doing the good marketing principles, but I still don't like to be called us called as marketing people because end of the day, that and this is what Tim you were saying as well. The fact that there is a transaction happening is very transparent. I think that's the fundamental part of it. Yes. You know, if I am selling you something, I will tell you. Otherwise, assume I'm here purely for education. Right, right, and and if we are marketing or doing something that that resembles marketing that also has to be transparent, right? Like, right. it's, and that's a, a thing that with the artifacts that my team creates, we try, like it's, some of it is, it's, it's education, but it's kind of marketing education, but we do it with a wink and a nod. Like everybody who watches it is going to know, Oh, okay. Well, he knows he's in marketing mode right now and he's having fun with it, you know? So it's the, the, the right. is transparent. Another very important aspect in this, trying to figure out where we stand, especially in the relationship with, with sales and marketing, uh, is the measurement, right? Uh, the organizational structure or the relationship between DevRel and different, uh, different groups also um, um, matters when the, the question is, what are your, what are your deliverables, right? Yeah. Well, how, how, how well did you do? And of course, uh, if DevRel is related to sales, then the, the actual question will be, show me your, uh, your revenues. Oh, you, you, what's your contribution? Uh, right. And, right. And if it is more related to marketing, the question will be, show me your, uh, your leads. Yes. Right. That you generate. Most of the time will be, uh, we, we don't do that. We don't do, we don't bring uh, sales and we don't even most of them bring leads. And that's what really the distinguishes DevRel from sales and marketing that perspective. But I think the, the whole topic of metrics, you know, could be discussed in detail for just an hour by itself. Yes. Uh, Absolutely. Yes. Oh my goodness, yes. More, oh I think my goodness. more than one episode. Farouk has an yeah. applied passion for KPIs, so he will definitely lead that discussion. But anyway, Arun, go on. Yeah. Oh, you were just saying that. But I, think, no, no, I was just making a point that, you know, um, that we can talk about metrics endless as in how do we qualify, you know, what is the value that the DevRel team brings to our organization and how do I justify that, oh, this DevRel team did well in 2016 and I need more dollars. How does that work basically? And, and again, that's too big for today, but that, so we can say, look, we don't, it's difficult to measure our activity the way contribution to funnel and, and, and you know, uh, revenue targets like you would in, in marketing and sales. But we can't just say, well, we're not measurable. We're just this ineffable thing. We, we do need ways to observe our activity 
that we can present at the board level and say, this is what we do and this is why we should have money. Um, well, I think that, that comes back to the idea of accountability. And yeah. I think that comes back to exactly. how do we, yeah, how do, how do we make sure that our efforts are, you know, impactful? How do we make sure that the money that is spent has a good ROI, et cetera? And I think that, you know, metrics in many cases are what people substitute as a word when they actually should be using the word accountable or accountability. Fully right? Because metrics seem to be implicitly accountable. And I think we lose sight of that, right? That's, that's part of the reason why so many companies use KPIs and tie it directly to a performance plan because numbers are hard to argue with. So if you, if you've met X, you know, sales in a given quarter, then you have in fact done what we expected you to do. And we have established whether or not you were accountable for the right. things that you were told to do. But one of the areas that I think that we can benefit from. Um, you know, if, if, if you look at, uh, branding, right, what the, what the marketing people call traditional branding activities, um, Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola is considered by the people who measure such things. And I don't know how they do it. I'll just take it on faith. Coca-Cola is considered to be the most recognized brand in the world. They spend billions of dollars. That's with a B billions of dollars every year on branding activities, right? You know, the polar bears during the winter season and the the people on, on you know, the, the commercial I saw most recently is in a car wash that turns into a 1960s hip-hop dance kind of thing. They do all of this uh, advertising and print and, and television and radio and all of that good stuff, all of it basically so that when you're standing there at the counter, and you see that familiar red and white with the swoosh, your brain, the amygdala, the lizard brain, basically says, ooh, I recognize that. And typically what we recognize is what we purchase. Now, one of the things that you have to ask yourself is, okay, well, how does Coca-Cola know the effectiveness of a branding campaign? How do they, with, with, any, with any sort of branding campaign, how do you measure its efficacy? How do you know whether or not you're successful? Should you continue that campaign? Forget, you know, individual accountability, but just as a whole, right? I get concerned every time developers say, or, you know, when we say, oh, you can't measure what I do because, you know, it's, 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 it's intrinsically immeasurable. Right. I'm sorry. If somebody has figured out how to decide who the most recognized brand in the world is, there are ways for us to measure our activities, but I don't know what they are. And in absence of anybody standing up and saying, oh, Ted, here, here's the formula, here's the heuristic, I think we should you know, spend uh, a concerted effort to try to figure out how to at least come up with some ways to roughly decide plus one, zero, or minus one around a particular activity. Right. If so I conduct a webinar, objective. How, how do I track? Yeah, 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 exactly. exactly. Objective and observable, even if they're not quantitative, you know, that's... And that, that's yeah, and I, and I think that's kind of, um, that, that I believe that this topic, <clears throat> sorry, this topic will be one of the most discussed in, in, in this, in this yes. podcast in the future, just because we all understand the, the importance of that, and we all understand that some activities that we do are more easily measurable than others, and um, trying to fight this natural um, desire of 
looking under the light and only do what's easily measurable, but go, doing also stuff which is less easily measurable, but still will be able to to come and say this is the impact that I made right, right. is um, is something that um, again based on the interviews that that we did uh, on on the mind of of many of us. So that will be a very good series of episodes, I believe, in this podcast in talking about that. Absolutely. Yep. And in the spirit of uh, listener-friendly time limits, we should probably wrap up soon. And I, this is me attempting to have the last word. Of course, it won't be the last word, but it occurs to me. Here. You, you, I never gave my answer chance. to what I think DevRel is. So oh, I, me too, by the way. Yeah, I, we don't care about no, you, oh, We just don't care. Don't, uh, yeah, you go, you go first, then I'll go last. Yeah, you, you still want to go last. I okay, want the last we, word. We will give, we will give it uh, to Tim the last word. So, yeah, so for me, um, I'm, um, I'm in the middle of, of transport, of um, uh, the words, of changing and, and transformation. Yes. That's the one. Thanks to you guys again. Uh, before, before the whole effort of, of trying to build the, the DevRel strategy talk, I was what I called myself a DevRel practitioner, okay. right? I, I, come to, I, I wake up in the morning, I go to a conference, I do a webinar, I do a meetup, I write a blog, and I put it out there, and uh, I hope it's good, right? This is, this is how my, uh, my career was until recently and and then i i started to speak with you guys and started to think about what devrel is what is the goal what is the strategy why we do what we are doing and i think that um, to put it in in a couple of sentences there are bidirectional as arun said and the outbound direction will be a three aspects of why we're doing what we are doing and the first is Brand awareness, and that's getting back to, of course, what uh, what Ted mentioned. Brand awareness is important on certain, definitely certain stages in the life of an organization, company, or product, but not only, it's always important, right? So getting the word out, this is us, this is what we do, this is how we can help you, is one of the aspects. The other will be education. And that's extremely important for, I would say, two very selfish reasons for the company. The first is um, the better users use your product, the less work you have to, da- to do in support uh, of the customers, right? And, and support is, is a huge uh, cost center for, for any organization. It costs tons of money. Less support, more success. Customers will get more value. And, yeah. Exactly. And the other aspect of education is, of course, more value. Yeah. Right, because people know how to use your product better, and as a by as a, as a, as a byproduct, a community advocates or champions or brand ambassadors, community brand ambassadors are born. Right, mm-hmm. because only if you know the technology well enough to fall in love with it and be able to uh, advocate for it by yourself. Only then you can you can become this this champion and our own here in his uh, in his Docker captain uh, hoodie um, just to to you know to make my to make my point here right so Arun uh, knows Docker Arun probably hates Docker but he wanted meat he says that he loves Docker and this is how he is a Docker a Docker captain you are not a true Docker captain Docker Docker captain well so. no I I believe that there. Are there are the two types of software which never collide. Software that I really like and software that I know really well. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
<laughs> so, so that's that's the second aspect of outbound um, yeah. uh, activities, and the third one is recruitment, right? Yes. So, if we do a meetup here in our new wonderful office in JFrog, and it's people fantastic. and and people come and see it, uh, that will be you know that that place uh, to our uh, to our game of recruitment. So those are the outbound one, and there is an inbound channel which is not less um, important, but um, much uh, more challenging to measure, and that's the feedback that we bring. Yes, right. I think one point I would like to add. You know, if I I was thinking about the word, and to be brutal, you know, some people might kind of you know it's like pretty blunt and cold, but I think to me DevRel. If I were to associate one word with it, that would be passion. You know, that could be passion for any technology. You know, whether I sell the product or I don't sell the product. I talk about Docker because I believe in the technology. I love the technology. I've written books on Docker. I'm a Docker captain. I'm giving a workshop at DockerCon all over the place. To the extent people ask Arun, when are you joining Docker? I said, I'm right, not right. joining Docker. I'm just passionate about it. Marketing on the other side is very cold. You know, it's like, I'm here to sell you, you know, do this campaign for me. You are a lead gen to me. I'm going to suck you up and I'm going to sell you something else. So I think that's sort of how I differentiate it. You know, I know my marketing team may not be happy with it, no. but that's the nature of it. Yeah. But you know what, Arun, I don't think I could disagree with anybody more on both points. And we'll have <laughs> to do this at, uh, at some other, I mean, hopefully recorded because a, um, I actually dislike the use of the, the, the widespread use of the term passion that our industry seems to have adopted because in many cases, what I want out of an individual is not passion, but professionalism because professionalism has that degree of cold to it, which means I will do things because they need to be done, not because I'm really, really excited about doing them. Um, you know, there's a reason why crimes are sometimes committed out of passion. So, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the term passion. I understand why people use it. We, we, we like it when people are engaged around a particular topic. But the other thing is marketing, you know, a lot of the most passionate people in the world work in marketing departments. And when you say marketing is cold, I don't buy that. I don't agree with it. I think in many cases, people who are very genuinely excited about their products, you know, go into marketing because that enthusiasm will get them uh, a certain degree of a certain distance, even above and beyond whatever the, the effectiveness of their tools. But marketing has made a science out of how to reach people, of how to communicate with people, of how to identify which people I should communicate with and which ones I should not, and so on and so forth. And so I don't think we really throw any of that away. This is an in, interesting... In respect of time, you know, passion and professionalism, I won't say anything on that. But that is definitely a topic for something else. You know, yes. exactly. Yes, you, you are all invited to one of the next episodes in which we discuss why Ted hates to apply the word passion to and what we why do. why passion will harm our... Perf no, let's, let's not troll Ted. That's what... <laughs> it's too easy to troll Ted. Come on, no, Just because we're out of time. Not, yeah. just, not because we don't really... Well, the one thing, the one thing I'll add, but not go into any detail on, is the fact that I don't think passion and professionalism are in any way, you know, uh, yeah, opposite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guys, stop. That's all I wanted to add. <laughs> Here's the challenge of a bunch of developer relations professionals and leaders 
sharing a like mic- to uh, sharing a microphone. So let me let me sum up. <laughs> I never. I think we've done so well. I'm sitting here being impressed at how people are giving each other opportunities to speak, and we're all used to being the one with the the, the pulpit. So anyway, um, just kind of some some thoughts summing up. Uh, you know, Simon, you kicked it off, and I said, "Hey, what's Devrel?" And you gave what I consider to be the I mean, I, I just heard it like the correct and orthodox answer, the, this layer in between a company that makes a technology product and the developers who consume the technology product. And we explain it, we get feedback and put that back into the organization. And, you know, Rune, you underscored that with the outbound and inbound stuff. And Baruch, you, you elaborated on that. Ted, I, I, I got to tell you, I really love your, um, your priesthood analogy. And For the obvious reason. Yeah, well, it's, 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 it's just really interesting. Um, so the, I, I do need to add kind of a little bit of my answer. I think you guys have, have, have pretty much crushed it, but playing on that a little bit, like you said, all analogies break down and, you know, you talked about how people get overzealous. And, you know, I guess every, every movement has its Johann Tetzel and, you know, that's not a good thing. Holy Wars is another term. That- <laughs> right, right. So, and it's, I think it's a, a terribly useful analogy. Let's look at where it breaks down. And, and this is where, this is my contribution to what DevRel is good for. Uh, you said the company is the deity and we're essentially the priesthood. Um, it breaks down because the company isn't a very good deity. The company doesn't know everything. The company is, the best run company is effectively stumbling around in the dark. And you No, know, no, 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 dude, 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 dude. data science. It, it, they know everything. You just need big data. Uh, yeah. Big data, data. big data. I forgot. Yes, and there's two big data vendors on, on <laughs> here. And artificial intelligence. I, I forgot. Big data will solve everything. <laughs> no, it won't. Okay, the company, the best-run company, run by the, the most inspirational, competent leaders, are effectively stumbling around in the dark. They don't know who their customers right. are. And culturally, even if you're led by engineers and it's kind of a culturally engineering-y organization, you have these other business units. You have a whole group of sales professionals who have dedicated their career to following the calling of selling. And, and that, that's, a, that's a noble thing. You have a marketing team and we've said mixed things about them. But again, this is a calling that people follow and they do it as dedicated professionals. They give their life to be, being good at it. All of which means those people are not giving their lives to being good at being developers or understanding developers. And so um, everything, I think all of the definitions we've contributed to, to what DevRel is are, are, are gold. And the, the spin I'll put on it is we also help translate developer culture and mediate that back to the company and mediate the company's message in a way that's culturally normative to developers. So we represent a few different parts of the planet here, um, even just people who are on the call and, and, and countries we come from. And if you go to home, for each one of us on this call, you're going to get different human cultures, okay? Different potentially languages we've spoken, different foods, different ways of relating to each other. But when we meet at conferences, guys, it's pretty uniform. It's, it's developer culture. We're all part of that same world. And our companies don't always understand a company by itself has not, you know, kind of given its heart to being good at speaking that language. And part of what we do is we, we do our work and we're kind of these cultural mediators so that marketing activities look trustworthy and are trustworthy. And 
education activities are the kind of education delivered in the kind of way that developers expect. So the difference, the, the break, one of the breakdowns in, in was otherwise a really good analogy is, um, you know, the profound ignorance of the deity. And we're there to help mitigate that. And with that, yeah, okay, guys. So thank you, thank you very much. And and I think that we can declare this pilot as success since we really have no idea how to measure those things. We won't ask anybody. We'll just ourselves <laughs> that we like. There you right? go. And that that's good enough. I think that's perfect. And the good news are that we don't need the money to do that from almost anyone. Mm -hmm. So we can we can just do whatever we like. Okay, guys. Um, thank you very much. Thank and you. A lot of fun. And one, maybe one thing to end with actually is to say that uh, Baruch, you um, you tweeted DevRel Radio as a hashtag on Twitter. Maybe we could uh, take questions on there so that we could uh, plan our future podcasts on some of the questions that the audience have. Uh, DevRel Radio hashtag retweet use and ask questions. Send us questions. We'll talk yeah. about them. We can, yeah. we can talk about it. Yeah, I, yeah. I'd love to. I'd love to do that. I'd love to see that. And. And um, let me say this phrase, I'll, we'll see you in the future episodes of the Real Radio. Yes, we will. Bye.